Hello and welcome back to Curiously Polar, the show about all things very north and very south. My name is Chris Marquardt and with me, as usual, is Henry. Good, um, what is it, afternoon when we record this. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon. Yeah. And we are um, in we're the back. pretty much same time zone for the first time in a long time. And that helps. <laughs> that helps a lot with recording. <laughs> really does. Um. So, yeah, you are still back from your tour. You can still not go on any other expeditions for the foreseeable future because of the thing, and uh, which which shall not be named. It, again, again, if you if you have the means to, and if you feel like supporting small creators like us, um, the show notes have a link to where you can do this by a SEPA transfer or a little donation using a credit card. Um, if you can't do that, and, and I wouldn't blame you because lots of people are in a bit of a bind right now, then that's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't feel guilty. Um, but if that's easy for you, then we would really appreciate uh, your help for us to keep the lights on here in the Curiously Polar Studios. Uh, we're still in at a safe distance from each other. Henry, you are somewhere on the other end of Europe, so Indeed. we are uh yeah. <laughs> we we are we are isolated as well as we can and everyone else should do the same. This episode is geared for the um, 7th of April. We're recording this early. We're recording this on the 2nd of April, so um whatever current developments have happened in the last week we uh, will not be able to talk about them here on the show so we decided to do something uh to, to pick a topic that is not related to any diseases any pandemics um, it's we'll much talk about more fun anyhow it's true we'll talk about an iceberg a particular iceberg, iceberg. how amazing is that it's not what do you mean a particular iceberg in general uh, there is this beautiful thing that in Antarctica, there are icebergs carving that are large enough for scientists to name them. And by that... <laughs> really? Yes. We can follow those icebergs. And this is pretty amazing. Do you mean name, name them as in like Jeff or Greg or Susie? Yeah, glaciologists are not that creative, though. And I don't uh. want to be a child of a Scientologist. Uh, Scientologist. <laughs> glaciologist, sorry. Um, <laughs> not a Scientologist either, same. that's fine. Yeah, but um, <laughs> religion stays out of the room, please. Um, no, <laughs> no, I don't want to be a child of a glaciologist. They actually divided Antarctica into four quadrants and very creatively named those quadrants A, B, C, D. And uh, okay. <laughs> wherever the iceberg calves from, um, where the ice shelf originates, in which quadrant, the iceberg gets an A, and then it gets a running number, according okay, to so, how many have calved previously. So this is which one? This is iceberg A68A. So it's the 68th iceberg carved in quadrant A, which is pretty uh -huh. much the Weddell Sea. So that's the okay. eastern Antarctic Peninsula, the um, part of the interior where we have uh, Larsen shelf ice, where we have the Ron Filkner shelf ice. And that's a pretty big area, actually. 
Uh, okay, so so let me let me ask something. A very naive question. An iceberg. The yes. the the ice shelf carves, an iceberg breaks off of the shelf, it moves into the sea, it swims, it melts, and then it's gone. So is it worth naming an iceberg? How long is that iceberg around? How long has it been around and won't it be melted in a short time? So, um, a lot of questions. Yes, yes, no, maybe. Um, okay. The, <laughs> the icebergs that got names have a, um, a certain size. And this certain size is so significant that the possibility of them melting down in about a year is very little. So, it's very unlikely that this iceberg will disappear within a year. So, in fact, this iceberg carved from... Um, the Larsen C shelf in July 2017. So it is already two and a half years old. And oh, okay. it uh, travels by time. And depending on where it carved and where where it travels to, it might survive a significant amount of time. And when I go a little bit ahead and just refer to the largest iceberg ever measured in the satellite era, that iceberg survived over 20 years and the last remain of that iceberg still exists, carved in the year 2000 and still exists somewhere north of South Georgia. Wow. So uh, how far does, a, does such an iceberg move around? Um, probably not into warmer waters because then I guess it would be gone. So oh, they actually travel into warmer waters. That's their uh, fate in the end um, if they break through the Antarctic Circumpolar Current. But for this particular iceberg we're going to talk about today, A68A, this is one of the big questions scientists are trying to answer recently. Because okay. in the past two years, this iceberg really much got stuck in the vicinity of the ice shelf. So it got stuck in its position, pretty much, it broke off the ice shelf. So there has been for over 10 years a big crack on um, one side of the Larsen Sea ice shelf. And this crack just continued and actually finished in July 2017, releasing that iceberg from the ice shelf. So, in fact, that was the birth of the iceberg. But the iceberg stayed in place because it's rather shallow waters and was thick sea ice around, so it can't move. So when the sea ice started melting and released that iceberg, it traveled a little bit. But then again, the bedrock around Larsen Sea is not that deep. So we have actually uh, a seabed that doesn't really um, houses humongous icebergs, so they can't travel very far. So this iceberg got stuck in the area where Larsen B ice shelf used to be. It does it's not there anymore. It's uh, it collapsed uh, many years ago, 2008, I think it was. And then it took another year to leave that position. But after it left that position around um, um, Larsen, the Larsen B area, it just took a few months for um, A68A to move out into the open sea where I actually had the chance to uh, meet that humongous oh. fella. Uh, humongous. How, how humongous do I have to uh, imagine this one? Well, I have two different numbers for you. And I start with the... Um, 
harder to grasp one. It's 5,800 square kilometers. So this is twice okay. the size of Luxembourg. <laughs> Nobody really knows Luxembourg, right? But it's larger than Delaware. It's um, larger than the era or area of um, Melbourne. It's larger than uh, New York City. So, so it is a, it is a, it's a big city. It's it's the big huge. a big city size. Yes, it is. In or, fact, or a small country third, size. Okay, it's the third largest iceberg measured in satellite error ever. So since 1979, the third largest iceberg in time, and currently the largest iceberg existing. And this is for me personally. That was the highlight. By far the biggest highlight of the whole season, with all the humongous <laughs> amounts of penguins, of seals, of whales, of close encounters with wildlife, the humongous glaciers coming down. Everything is super exciting there, <laughs> but meeting A68A just freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, I mean, I mean, I know you're you're kind of easily pleased, but uh, show him an ice cube and he's happy. I mean, this is, I like that. <laughs> you, <laughs> it's not an ice cube. You can't put that into um, a glass of whiskey or something. Well, it depends we on actually, the size of the glass. <laughs> we were really, really pleased with the weather. So when we arrived there, I think what was it? It was somewhere in March. Um, let me check. 10th of March, 10th of March, on our way from South Georgia to the peninsula, we met this beautiful iceberg and the weather was amazingly calm. In the Waddell Sea, that's something very um, unlikely. So we were actually able to lower the zodiacs and do a zodiac cruise at the edge of the Waddell Sea in the middle of nowhere and zodiac cruise the edge of A68A. And that's just amazing. When that was announced, all the guides have been ready 15 minutes prior to the time when the first zodiac gets lowered. So everybody stands there at the gangway and just super excited. And everybody is dancing around, restless legs everywhere. And when you see something <laughs> like that, you know, I am super excited about eyes all the time. That's my life. I really love that. But when you see your colleagues who are usually birders or marine mammalists or geologists with rocks or whatever, and everybody gets super excited, this is just the signal. This is something special. It's super unique. That's the once in the lifetime experience to sail along the largest iceberg in the world. And we lowered the zodiacs, we loaded our passengers, and everybody was just like, oh my God, what's going on? You're all freaking out. It's like, yeah, this here, this is history. You were just sailing along the largest piece of ice floating in the world currently. You and guys we just, are a very funny bunch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> funny is the nicest term I heard in a while. Uh -huh. Crazy. So, so wait, wait, let, me, let me ask you a question. Now, now that you've been there, now that you've been alongside of A sixty eight A, can you even uh, uh, can you even compute it? I mean, it's it, it's a country. It's a it's a continent from from a small zodiac, right? It's so huge it that is. is it 
is it uh, does it move is it is it what's the perception like being in front of that because i don't think it should be any different than being in front of a glacier or or, or is it It's much different from being in front of a glacier because um, being in front of a glacier just shows your topography around it. You have mountains. You usually see where the glacier comes from. You see um, big cracks in the front of the glacier. You have crevasses. You have seracs. And you, you really see activity there. Um, you don't see that this iceberg is moving. But in fact, this iceberg is, is uh, moving fairly fast by around five nautical miles per day. And at the same time, you have kind of a huge wall of ice in front of you which is very long but not very high so it's probably 30 40 let's say 60 meters above the sea but it's probably three four times the size underwater so it's actually uh, qu quite a, a big chunk but you don't see how big it is you can't really grasp it from from the sea level and that makes it a little bit difficult for some people to understand but That day, when we came back, I just did a little recap what we do in the evenings when we come back on board, and we just uh, talk about what we've seen. And I put a satellite picture on the screen, and in that satellite picture, you see Elephant Island and the tip of the Antarctic Peninsula, which is uh, a reference point. So Elephant Island is, at least for people who know the story of Shackleton, it's Uh, it's a known spot. The Antarctic Peninsula is kind of a known thing. And when you see an iceberg several times larger than Elephant Island, larger than the, the, the tip of the peninsula, then they understand, they comprehend what they just experienced that day. And we traveled for two, two and a half hours on our zodiacs along the front of that iceberg. And that iceberg is actually rectangular. Uh, rectangular. It's, it has a long side, 152 kilometers long, and it has a shorter side. And the widest spot on the shorter side is 48 kilometers. It still is long. And the narrow tip we actually traveled around is even shorter. But to tell the people that the two and a half hours, we haven't even finished um, crossing along that short end by far. This is the mind-blowing moment in the recap when everybody understands, wow, 1.1 trillion tons of ice sounds outer-worldly, but when you have been on the Zodiac for two and a half hours and cruising for quite some speed and not even finished traversing the site, the short side of that iceberg, that gives you an idea. And that was an amazing moment. I, I, I can I can kind of uh, understand that. I mean, I've seen some icebergs around Greenland from far that were that look big, like small like towns or small cities. But that is certainly uh, on a different level. So I, I have a couple more questions. Um, sure. First of all, you said it's the third largest iceberg that was ever recorded. What were the other two? The other two, um, the second largest one, uh, carved in 1998 from the Ron ice shelf. Filkner Ron is a double uh, ice shelf, so from the Ron part. It's called A38 and was slightly larger. So 
A68A I was talking about is 5,800 square kilometers. A38 was 6,900 square kilometers, so 1,000 square kilometers larger. The by far largest has carved in the year 2000, in May 2000, from the Ross Ice Shelf, which is um, closer to uh, Australia and New Zealand. It's called B15 and had the size of the main island of Jamaica, 11,000 square kilometers. It's an incredible size. And that's just the satellite era. So since 1979, we have... Two icebergs presumed to be among the largest ones from historical times. There is the iceberg called B01, the first one, presumably first one uh, broken off the Ross Ice Shelf since uh, human um, records in 1956. And that's just reported by, uh, I think it was an American uh, Navy ship that uh, traversed one side of it. And just by the time it needs to traverse the iceberg they measured the length and presumed that this iceberg was 30,000 square kilometers um, in area the second largest one was 801 from Fjörgner Ron shelf ice in 1927 so um, when when you see all those data then you can um, get an idea that A68A is quite a unique unique thing for this time not for the overall time, but still, even if in an, in a bigger picture, being the third largest one in the satellite era and still the fifth largest one in historical times, it's still a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Okay, I have a couple more questions. Yes. <laughs> I'm getting more and more curious now. Um, <laughs> next question is, is, is that, I mean, as excited as you are with this much ice breaking off the ice shelf um, and and over time disappearing, isn't that also something that you look at with uh, with a heavy heart? Because it means that the Antarctic ice shelf is losing a lot of its of its volume. Well, yes and no. It's a very very tricky question. It's a very tricky um, situation. So the the carving from an ice shelf is kind of a regular normal process and to understand why that is considered to be kind of a regular normal process you have to understand how ice shelves are formed so think about the antarctic peninsula as a huge mountain range a spine in the southern ocean and on top of that spine glaciers form and those glaciers are draining down the hills the uh, slopes of that mountain range and when they reach sea level, they still drain further out. So they actually continuing on the sea. But they're not that thick as the seabed is deep. So at some point, they are losing contact with the ground and start floating. So when you know how glaciers move and how they change their surface when they move and you know that they form crevasses, huge long cracks in the ice. And you just imagine those cracks also being transported onto the shelf ice. Then you know that the shelf ice already has pre-existing cracks on the ice, which give us an idea where the next big piece of ice might break up. So it is kind of an already given 
um, feature in the ice. And when the ice just continues to move further out, further away from the source, further away from the mountains, from the glaciers in the mountains, it loses stability at a point, and those cracks are just continuing, breaking off icebergs, and that's then the normal process. So in that way, I'm not so much scared or sad about um, those effects. What we still see is that some of those ice shelves are more exposed to effects of um, warming oceans, for example, when you have um, yeah, warmer waters reaching further into the areas where ice shelves um, are home or based at, then um, you see an acceleration of those icebergs breaking off, of those big carving events. But this particular iceberg, there is no debate that this is an, um, a natural process happening there. So this is not related to climate change. There is no evidence for that in, 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 in that particular moment. What, uh, whatever is uh, found out right now is that we actually um, have a very interesting field of study now um, accessible, and that's how the ecosystem changes in front of the ice shelf, so in, in the place where that iceberg broke off, how that affects the ecosystem underneath the shelf ice and in the ocean, in the water column, and at the same time, how the whole ice shelf is affected by this huge area. I mean, it's a 160 kilometers wide piece that just broke off the edge of the ice shelf, which forms kind of a natural um, blockade for the rest of the ice. If that's missing, then the weight and the speed of the glaciers flowing downhill from the, from the mountains will just accelerate. And this is something scientists are, are really curious looking into right now. All right. And the last question I have is, um, it's called A68 lowercase a. Why lowercase a? Does that mean there is a B, a C, a D? And yeah. So the original iceberg is called A68. And you see a yes. lot of li literature where um, people are referring to A68. But at the moment this iceberg broke off, a bigger chunk or let's say a smaller piece broke off of that big iceberg and that smaller piece is called A68B because it's just the smaller one. It carved from the larger iceberg wow. A68. So in the moment an iceberg carves from the ice shelf, it just gets a regular number. In that case, A68. When this iceberg disintegrates or carves smaller icebergs, then the remainder of the large iceberg, the largest remainder is called A. And then the next pieces are called B, C, D, whatever. <laughs> so with, with the size of this thing, if, if it breaks into more pieces over time, will those then also be renamed? And Yes. Uh, and the smaller pieces, if they break apart, will those then also be named? <laughs> so will there be an A68, A, B, A, C? Um, what we have, for <laughs> example, the, the remainder of the um, B15, the largest iceberg uh, from the satellite era, the 11,000 square kilometers, um, huge piece that actually is still existing or largest still existing piece is called b15 az 
Ah, so, I see. Okay, so, so you just it continues exactly. It's it's just a, a continuation there, and that iceberg almost uh, circumnavigated Antarctica. It um, broke up, broke off the um, Ross Ice Shelf. It followed the um, coastal currents towards the west until it entered the Waddell Sea in 2017. So that is quite like 17 years later already. And then in May 2018, it got spotted west of South Georgia, between South Georgia and the Falkland Islands. And um, the last remaining or the largest remaining um, piece has been um, recorded in the South Atlantic. And there it will melt rather quickly. All right. So... I still think they should name him Jeff, Jack, or Susie, and not these weird, funny names. That would be so much more fun. But then um, people would probably be much, much um, sadder if Jeff or Judy would melt down and disappear entirely. Come on, it's just like, it's just like a snowman. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt sad for a snowman. That's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I think that's... that's uh, that's it for this episode. I think we've covered it. The humongous iceberg with over a trillion tons in weight and the size of bigger than Delaware. Wow. It's amazing, okay. Isn't it? Um it is, yes. <laughs> uh we'll be back in a week from now with uh yet another non thing episode and uh, we hope you will be here too and uh, stay safe until then we are of course at curiouslypolar.com where you can find out all the other episodes we're on twitter at curiouslypolar we're on insta at curiouslypolar and um, again if you want to support us if you want to help keep our lights on then uh, we'd be more than happy for a contribution everything you need to find to know you can find in the show notes or on our website where it's all linked so thank you very much and until next week bye bye